On this week's edition of New York Now, the first debate for the Democratic nomination in this year's race for governor. We'll have details and break it down with this week's panel. Then, Andrew Giuliani wants to be the Republican nominee for governor this year. He joins us to chat ahead of this month's primary. I'm Dan Clark, and this is New York Now. Today, the Senate majority will pass legislation. I will fight like hell for you every single day, like I've always done. Welcome to this week's edition of New York Now. I'm Dan Clark. The legislative session is over, and that means we have moved on to this year's elections. First up is this year's primaries for governor and lieutenant governor later this month. That election is on Tuesday, June 28th. Mark your calendars. And this week, we got a fresh look at that race. It was the first time the three Democrats running for governor were at the same place at the same time for a debate. Governor Kathy Hochul, Congressman Tom Swasey, and New York City public advocate Jamani Williams are all running for their party's nomination. And while Hochul is considered to have a comfortable lead over her opponents, they aren't letting up. A few highlights from the debate. It's the first time the race for governor has been open in more than a decade. After former Governor Andrew Cuomo resigned last year, Democrats scrambled to fill his shoes. And three candidates quickly emerged. His successor, now Governor Kathy Hochul, New York City public advocate Jamani Williams, and Congressman Tom Swasey from Long Island. The three faced off in a debate Tuesday night where no one was pulling their punches. When the governor was a member of Congress, she voted with, was endorsed by, and took money from the NRA. Where's the principle in that? You know, talk about daylight. There's so much bright daylight between our positions that I need to find a pair of sunglasses. We need to have someone that's going to stop the budget to say, we need more money for gun violence prevention, not a billionaire to get a stadium to be built outside of Buffalo where people are suffering. Public safety emerged as a top issue, with each candidate asked about gun crime in New York City. Shootings have spiked since 2019 in the five boroughs. That's according to the NYPD. Williams, a progressive, said the state should invest more money into prevention efforts, youth programming, and victims' services. And he said the issue was personal. A bullet went through my mother's car door while it was parked in front of her home. These are not theoretical things for me. These are personal. This is not esoteric. It's important to have someone that understands just the press conferences, like Andrew Cuomo did while people were dying due to the pandemic, will not stop people from dying. I'm tired of going from press conference to funeral. On the environment, candidates were asked about something called crypto mining. That's where someone can use a bank of computers to solve complicated math problems online and win cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin. But it uses a lot of energy. So the state legislature passed a bill last week that would ban that practice for two years, citing the environmental impact. Hochul, a moderate, was asked if she would sign that bill and didn't give a clear answer, but said she shared those same concerns. But on that, on that very question, we have to be very cautious about allowing more facilities to come and go into formally closed fossil fuel generating plants. We have a different situation where some may be generating hydroelectric power, for example. I need to be able to examine the differences, but I'm not interested in doing anything to harm the environment. Williams said he supported the pause, 
And Swazi did too, but for less than two years. And the candidates were also asked about the state's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Swazi, also a moderate, took that opportunity to knock Hochul, saying her administration is dragging its feet on a complete up-and-down review of the state's policies at the height of the virus. I don't know why we haven't had hearings to get to the bottom of exactly what happened here, to find out what the facts actually are. I don't know why the governor has not put together a committee to look at this so we could learn lessons from what we went through. Uh, we have not learned the lessons from COVID because we didn't have a comprehensive plan to address Omicron back in uh, November, December, January of last year uh, while the governor was traveling the state doing fundraising. The three Democrats will compete in the primary for governor on Tuesday, June 28th. And whoever wins that race will be the party's nominee for the general election in November. And we're now less than three weeks out until the primary, and a lot could happen in that time. Let's get into that and more with this week's panel. Dave Lombardo is from the Capitol Press Room from WCNY and on public radio stations. And uh, Joe Spector is from Politico. I Thank am. you both for being here. Thank My you. Pleasure. So we're talking about this debate. Uh, I don't want to steal your word. We were talking before, <laughs> before we went on air, but I did find it a little boring, not a lot of fireworks. Maybe that's good for democracy, yada, yada, yada. I don't know. Joe, what do you think the governor had to do here in this debate? This is the first time we had seen all three candidates on the stage, sharing the stage together. It had the potential for a lot of awkward and, uh, you know, conflicting circumstances that didn't quite happen. What did she need to do? Well, she first, you, know, you want to have a gaff-free uh, debate, nothing that uh, garners headlines, that you made a mistake or did something that uh, might have voters reconsider uh, their support of her. Like you said, this is, you know, she's still introducing herself to voters in New York, right? Yeah. I mean, she has never run, I mean, while well, she's run for statewide office uh, as lieutenant governor, I mean, this is her, this is first election. She's not being reelected. You know, sometimes you see that in stories. Governor seeking re-election. No, this is her first election as yeah. governor. And so, um, you know, I think she definitely handled uh, some of the barbs that were expected, right? I mean, they, they, they knocked her for her uh, previous endorsement from the NRA when she was a congresswoman out in western New York. They tried to go after her on uh, some of the crime uh, issues, uh, whether, or not, whether or not she went further enough uh, on bail reform. Uh, you know, and she just, she had answers for all of it. Brian Benjamin, right, her... Uh, scandal-plagued uh, former lieutenant governor. They tried to knock her on that, and she came forward and said, you know, that, that hurt. That was, that was a tough one, and, and moved on. She explained the NRA. She, she, she spun it in a way where she said, you know, I wish more Democrats or Republicans would change their heart like I did over the last decade. I so thought that was a were, really good answer. Yeah, that was really uh, one way to spin it. And, you know, and uh, Swazi and Jemani Williams, they didn't really have, uh, they took their shots, but uh, never really landed the big punch on her. Yeah, you know, Dave, what do you think about Swazi and Jumani's uh, performance here? You know, I think that they did a pretty good job. I think Swazi in particular did a really good job about going after her over and over and over again. I don't know how that would come through the voters, and I don't know how many voters even watch this debate, so maybe it doesn't matter in the end. But how do you think they did? So you make two important points there. How did they do and how are people consuming this? So how did they do? We have to think about this in terms of sports because politics is always a sporting event for me, maybe for you too, Joe. Yeah. And uh, Swazi and Jumani Williams come into this debate way behind and time running out on the clock. So they need to make big moves. This is a basketball game. They're jacking up threes. They're playing a full court defense. It's a risky move. And 
it didn't really happen here. It didn't really pay off. They weren't, you know, hitting all their shots. Uh, the uh, governor wasn't uh, giving up the ball, so to speak. Like Joe said, she was playing a, a reserve uh, offense. She was, uh, you know, playing a smart defense. So they weren't able to make up any grounds. They weren't able to force that gaffe. The other thing you say, though, about how many people are watching this. <laughs> we have six million Democrats in New York. In 2018, 1.5 million voted in the primary. A tiny, tiny fraction of that watched the debate. Most of the people, when they are consuming information about this debate, it's through programs like this. It's through reading their newspaper. And the filter that we're giving it, at least the most of the media, is that wasn't much to see here, that you had a pretty moderate uh, Democratic performance from Kathy Hochul, you had a sort of a center-right performance from Tom Suozzi, and a far-left performance from Jumani Williams. So there wasn't really any sort of big game-changers there. So I think we have a game that's going to kind of just run out the clock on the <laughs> end of June with Kathy Hochul winning. I think it's just a question of how big of a margin is it. And you'll see, you know, the second debate, right? You know, you'll see how much they come out a little more aggressive uh, trying to make up some of that ground, yeah. as they've pointed out. Right. That's on Thursday, this coming Thursday on ABC New York. I'm excited to see if that changes things at all. I mean, I, I think you're right, Dave. I think that this debate didn't have a lot of surprises. I think it was a little boring. I think Hochul uh, gave the answers that we expected her to, except I will say on, on the Brian Benjamin question of how did you not vet this person well enough that she got? I was surprised that she came out and was very honest about, well, that hurt me, you know, that wasn't good. Rather than saying, like, uh, what they had started saying at the beginning, basically saying, well, we did everything we could at the time, and this is how it came yeah, out. The answer wasn't working. And, right, exactly. You know, let's, let's test something out. Let's say, I'm human, you're human, we all make mistakes sometimes, and it's how we grow and mature from them. And I'm a leader who's, you know, kind of new to the job, but I've already shown that I'm adaptable, because look at this new, great, shiny thing that I've uh, tapped to replace Brian Benjamin, Antonio Delgado. So we, we got it right the second time around, if I'm continuing my Kathy Hochul impersonation. <laughs> you, know, you know, Joe, looking forward... Uh, Dave brings up a good point. I think it is running out the clock for Kathy Hochul right now to win. Is there anything in the next few weeks that could change this race? Well, I mean, if, you know, barring some sort of scandal or something, I mean, you know, they'll all be up on the air. They'll all be making their sort of final cases uh, to, uh, to Democrats. But, yeah, I mean, again, you know, not to be cliche, but it's all about the turnout, right? If turnout is really low, uh, now there's, now, you, you know, you kind of have a wild card of, of you know, will Hochul supporters come out versus... Uh, Swazi and Jumani, who's more motivated there, um, and then you know, and then and, and then she gets through that, then probably I think most people would say that the bigger challenges for her is in November, yeah. and whether, uh, as most expect, it'll be a good year for Republicans, and whether that could translate into a really close race for her. Yeah, I guess, Dave, do you think that this debate changes anything in the general election at all? I don't think so. But in terms of the debates that we're having right now, is it possible that Hochul might try to pander to the left a little bit too much and that could hurt her in the general during these debates as she's going into the primary? I think what we're seeing here is that she's trying to lean into the issues that are popular with her base, but also popular in November. The things we're seeing her put ads on about are abortion and guns, things that have a majority support uh, amongst the general election electorate. So they're very popular amongst her base, 
but they also work in November. So I think we're seeing her think about the short game as well as the long game with what her focus is. Yeah, I mean, because they kept going back to crime. And, and, and every poll shows that's either, you know, number one or number yeah. two is right up there as a number one issue uh, for voters. And when they would knock her on crime and not doing enough, you know, she just comes back that we did do bail reform and we did do the gun, um, gun control legislation. So she has a couple of things that she was able to achieve over this uh, six-month legislative session that she could point to that says, listen, we're trying to address it the best we can. Can Swazi or Jamani do the same thing with anything at all, Joe, you think? Can, is there anything that they could do in the next few weeks. I asked you what could change in the next few weeks before, but yeah. can Swazi or Jamani do anything in the next few weeks to really boost their numbers without Hochul having some sort of gaffe or Well, scandal? that's what they're counting on. They're counting on, in Swazi's case, uh, you know, people's frustration with crime, with inflation, with the economy, you know, all the issues where they might just want to have a new uh, person in there. Um, you know, one of the things you, 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 you they talked about a little is trying to tie her to the Cuomo administration, whether it's on the response to COVID and a nursing home scandal. And I think you're going to see more of that, whether it's in a primary or in a general. You know, I don't know why neither candidate has. Re well, I guess I do know why. I don't know why neither candidate has really gone after her for being Cuomo's LG during the harassment scandal. She didn't really speak up about that during those months up until he resigned. I, I interested why they don't go after her for that. But that's a topic for another day. We're out of time. Dave Lombardo from WCNY's The Capitol Press Room. Joe Spector from Politico. Thank you both so much. Thanks, Dan. All right, staying now with this year's race for governor. The four Republicans running in their primary for governor will face off in their own debate on Monday. That's on CBS New York. The four candidates in that race are Congressman Lee Zeldin, the party's favorite, businessman Harry Wilson, former Westchester County Executive Rob Astorino, and Andrew Giuliani. Now, Giuliani has a unique history in New York. You probably know his father, Rudy Giuliani, who was mayor of New York City for two terms. Fast forward to five years ago, and the younger Giuliani made it to the White House, working under former President Donald Trump. And now he wants to be the next governor of New York. We spoke this week about his campaign and where he stands on top issues ahead of this month's primary. Andrew, thank you so much for coming back. I appreciate it. And thank you as always for having me. Of course. So it's been a few months. I want to gauge where you are with voters. You've been on the campaign trail, crisscrossing the state. So tell me what you're hearing from voters while you're out there talking to them. Well, I got to tell you, with uh, nearly two weeks until uh, election day, uh, election primary day, and now with an upcoming debate here within the next 48 hours, I'm really excited with where we stand. Obviously, Every single independent poll that one of my competitors has not paid for either has us winning this race or within the margin of error. I mean, you can look at the most recent Zogby poll that had us up six, and when you add the leaners, up 10. I think, Dan, frankly, that's a product of making sure that we got out there and spoke to as many of the 2.9 million registered Republicans as possible. This started over a year ago, as you know, Dan, and, and to me, uh, it's been so important not just to go to the traditional GOP breakfast, but to make sure we were going to mass gathering places where New Yorkers were. And, and I think that's why we're seeing this consistent lead in the polls. But again, I'm telling our team, it's all about how, one, we perform at the debates and making sure we get out the vote. So that's 
that's the focus of the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think the debates are going to be critical for you. I mean, you already have the advantage of name recognition with the, the Giuliani name per se, but you have the chance in these next couple of days to get your name out there even more through these debates, maybe match your name to, uh, to the person. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. And I'm sure some top issues are going to come up during the debates. One of them is guns after the shootings in Buffalo and Uvalde. I want to ask you about the recently passed package of new gun laws in New York. Are there any, is there anything in that package that you could support? You know, right now it's, it's tough to say that I, that I could, to be perfectly honest, Dan. I mean, I, I look at uh, what I've seen in terms of the red flag laws that were on the books before, and, and they failed when it, when it came to the Buffalo shooter in terms of Broome County. And I think uh, that's a direct link to the fact that our law enforcement did not have the resources necessary uh, in order to make sure that this madman did not actually get a weapon. Uh, for me, what I've done from a crime perspective is propose right now a six-point plan uh, that will absolutely make sure that we make New York a safer place. Uh, going after the illegal weapons and making sure that they're out of the hands of those uh, that actually are committing these heinous crimes, I think is so important. But I don't think it's necessarily going after Second Amendment rights. I would also look at a full repeal of bail reform on day one. And I'd also keep DAs accountable, like Alvin Bragg. We just saw this last week. The DA in San Francisco get recalled. While we don't have recall here in New York, I would utilize Article 8, Section 13B of the New York State Constitution uh, to remove Alvin Bragg and to put him on trial on day one of my administration. I think that's going to help all New Yorkers when we keep DAs accountable and make sure they're executing the oath of office. It's a tricky issue, this gun issue and the, the, the awful tragedies in Buffalo and Uvalde because it's not necessarily a crime issue as much as it is uh, partly a mental health issue, partly some say access to guns, uh, partly you know the Buffalo shooter was influenced by white supremacy for example. You said that police didn't have the resources to maybe prevent that. So can you walk me through what the, the law enforcement may have needed that may have prevented this attack in Buffalo? Well, I think first and foremost, we know that nearly a year ago in June of last year, uh, we actually had information that this guy was planning on shooting up his school. I mean, he had said that. And uh, instead, New York State Police detained him for about 24 hours uh, and then released him and let him go. On top of that, uh, the red flag laws that were signed, uh, you know, did not immediately spark him. I think we can all agree, whatever side of the aisle on, that anybody who threatens to shoot up their school should not have access to a weapon. So the fact that our law enforcement did not actually have the resources necessary to make sure that the red flag laws that were on the books uh, did not prevent this madman from getting a weapon shows that there was certainly something that was missed in all this. To me, I think that's a direct uh, connection between what we've seen in terms of a lot of the, uh, and I'll call it, in some areas, it is truly some of the defunding of our police. But in some ways, it's reimagining our police. In some ways, it's just a matter of making it tougher and tougher for our law enforcement to have the resources that they need necessary to have the level of force that we actually need to prevent things like that. And that goes all the way back, I would even say, to 2009, when our tier benefits uh, change from a tier two to a tier five and tier six benefits, uh, which has made it that much tougher to actually get the talent of law enforcement here in the state of New York and keep the talent of law enforcement here in New York. To me, I, I look at it this way. I think really the nucleus of making sure that New York is safer is making sure that we give law enforcement the resources necessary, Dan, uh, so that way we can prevent not just shooting attacks like this, but also inner city violence that we've seen that has run rampant in our state 
over the last three years since bail reform was signed into law. I think it's unacceptable when you look at the fact that Rochester and Binghamton last year had the most murders ever in recorded history, and Rochester right now is on pace to surpass that. Uh, that's unacceptable. I don't want to mischaracterize your position. So we're talking about uh, the red flag gun laws. So do you support those gun laws as a way to prevent these tragedies? And, and do you support the, the concept of in these instances where somebody makes a threat to somebody to themselves or may harm themselves, would you support police using those red flag laws to remove their guns in those incidents? I absolutely support making sure that somebody who has mental health issues like this guy, somebody who's crazy, somebody who's a madman, uh, cannot get access to a weapon. I think we had the information there. And like I said, I question the resources that state law enforcement have. I question uh, then Governor Cuomo and now Governor Hochul in terms of what they knew and the knowledge of all this. Um, but I would also look at the FBI. Why wasn't the FBI actually aware of, of this in particular? I know the FBI has been focused on the Donald Trumps and the Rudy Giuliani's and, and also uh, parents in, in identifying them potentially as domestic terrorists, Dan. Uh, I think really the FBI's resources should be focused uh, on making sure that somebody like this uh, does not actually get the weapon that they need. So let's turn to another top issue in New York and across the country right now. The Supreme Court is considering an overturn of Roe v. Wade. I actually don't know your position on abortion. So uh, can you lay out where you are on that, pro-life versus pro-choice? I am pro-life. Look, I, uh, I think about my daughter every time. Uh, I think about this, and I remember the first time that I saw her on the ultrasound, Dan, and to me it was obvious as a parent, uh, as a father, uh, the most important thing I knew at that moment when I saw her there uh, at a couple weeks old was protecting uh, her life. Uh, so for me, uh, I am pro-life, and, uh, and obviously in looking uh, at what could come out of the Supreme Court, I, I will say, and one of the things I think we don't focus on on this uh, is the fact that this Supreme Court leak, I think, uh, was egregious. Uh, and the link with uh, probably kind of more liberal media. And I think you get a very, very different response when it comes to issues that would look to benefit Democrats, if you will, in an election than maybe those that would benefit conservatives. You know, on that note, speaking of Democrats, if you are elected as governor, there's a chance that you may be working with Democrats in the state legislature. They may take the, keep the majority rather in the assembly and the Senate. Tell me how your governing style would be there. How could you work to reach across the aisle to get things done in Albany with this party? Yeah, well, first and foremost, in looking at kind of the new maps and where we are now after a very long process, obviously, in getting to where we are, uh, first off, I think the supermajority in the assembly will cease to exist by the end of the year. And I think it's, I, I think the supermajority also in the Senate uh, will come to an end for Democrats. And I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful uh, that Republicans have an outside chance at winning the state Senate. I certainly think with the Giuliani at the top of the ticket, we certainly have a great chance to pick up as many seats in both the Assembly and the state Senate. Look, I have said on day one, I will sit down with Andrea Stewart-Cousins and Carl Hasty, or whoever the Assembly Speaker and the leader of the state Senate is on the time, and I'll lay out my top priorities. I'll have that conversation with them uh, so that way we can have progress for all New Yorkers. But I could tell you one place in particular uh, where I am not willing to compromise, and that is a repeal of bail reform. I think this has been something, Dan, that, uh, you know, look, all politicians have narratives, myself included. When we look at bail reform, we can say that this is an unmitigated disaster, not because I say it is, but because the data backs it up. When we see crime since April of 2019 and since this was signed into law, 
by Cuomo. And since really, I know Kathy Hochul has made a couple of small tweaks, but frankly, she didn't mention it in her state of the state speech, which shows that it's not a priority. And she still does not want to consider dangerousness, as we saw in this previous debate, for judges, what I think is so important in making sure that we don't see uh, you know, issues like we saw in the New York City subway shooter, where you had somebody who was arrested 19 times. Uh, to me, that's something that I would say to Stuart Cousins on Carl Hasty that this is something that we need a full repeal of. And once we have a full repeal, if you want to go back and talk about a few misdemeanors, I'm happy to have that conversation then. But it's a place that, right off the bat, I'm not willing to compromise. If we do that, then certainly we could talk about other issues. Last question for you, and maybe the most important to a lot of New Yorkers. As you and I both know, prices of really everything have been on the rise in the past year, from gasoline to things at the grocery store. If you were governor, what would you do to help New Yorkers through this really tough time? The state has implemented a cut to, a partial cut to the state's gas tax, but it doesn't seem to be really helping people at the pump all that much. And obviously there's the other costs too. Yeah, well, Dan, whether you're in Erie County in Manhattan or in Hamilton County, uh, you have New Yorkers all across the state that are looking up to this coming winter and asking themselves, uh, am I going to have to choose between heating my home uh, and maybe buying groceries? Uh, that, to me, is unconscionable. Look, I, I look at the Marcellus Shale and what we have in New York with that covers literally two-thirds of our landmass. Uh, and that's energy power that I look forward to unleashing as governor, certainly working toward that goal. I think uh, we can point right to, and this is obviously federal, but I think we can point right to the fact uh, that in early 2021, when President Biden took office, uh, he shut down production of the Keystone Pipeline while approving Nordstrom II. And we can lay uh, gas prices at $2 a gallon, $2 plus a gallon, to now in some places in the state, $5 a gallon. And who knows by the time we get to election day. Uh, I think I think America needs to be energy independent. I think looking at the advances in technology and where we are from a clean fracking standpoint and natural gas standpoint, we can do that now. Look, I, I want to be very clear. I'm not against the idea of renewables and making sure that we can use renewables in the state of New York. I just need to see how it's feasible before we shut off the idea of natural gas. If it's feasible, then I'm willing to have that conversation. Right now, I've seen it feasible in very small doses. And that's why I think it's so important that we make, and I'll say this, New York the best fracking state in the country. All right, Andrew Giuliani, Republican candidate for governor. Thank you as always for being here. I appreciate it. Dan, always a pleasure joining you. Look forward to coming on again soon. And another reminder that the primary for governor will be held on Tuesday, June 28th, but we'll leave it there for the week. Thanks for watching this week's New York Now. Have a great week and be well.